Here's the weekly tip from Julianne Smith and Christina Lomas with Advanced Financial Solutions on the Country Club Plaza. Have you struggled with the question of when to apply for your Social Security benefits? Do I apply at age 62, 65, 70? It all depends on how long you live. Since we don't know our expiration date, here's a tip. There's two schools of thought when it comes to when to take your Social Security. One group says, take it now because it won't be a rim. The other group says, take it later and collect more. The repay and reapply method allows you to take it now, repay it later, and reapply for your higher benefit. For more information on this strategy, other great investment and income strategies, dates of our Social Security educational events, and our Estes Park, Colorado retreats, contact Julianne Smith and Christina Lomas with Advanced Financial Solution at 816-931-2668. Again, 816-931-2668. Securities offered through Maloney Securities Company, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. It's time to move from high school to college. It's a huge transition. There's a great new website dedicated to helping young women and parents navigate sorority recruitment, four years of college to transitioning to the real world. It's called sororitycorner.com. It offers podcasts, videos, college and success tips, scholarship information, and even a forum for students in a safe and positive environment. Sororities give young women an edge. It's the sorority authority, sororitycorner.com, sororitycorner.com. If you're looking for your child to have the edge in gymnastics, tumbling, urban gymnastics, or cheerleading, Edge Gymnastics in Riverside is the place to be. Whether your child is a beginner, intermediate athlete from 18 months to 18 years old, Edge Gymnastics in Riverside will provide first-class fun in their state-of-the-art facility. Edge's staff will provide a fun, positive, and safe environment that will develop and improve each individual's athletic experience. For more information, visit edgetc.com. The Northland's choice for gymnastics, urban gymnastics, tumbling, and cheer, Edge Gymnastics in Riverside. EdgeTC.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, this is uh, Chris and Anne, and we're here at Kelly Daniels' uh, lovely house. Um, it's in about 10 acres, as I recall, and it's absolutely chock full of exquisite spaces that are gardens that link one to another and lead the eye all the way around and it has a pond it has a, um, a gazebo or two it's it's got everything it also has a, a bunch of ducks that you'll probably hear in the um, conversations that we have but it's absolutely peaceful and you if you were here you wouldn't want to leave which is probably why um, I'm a little bit slow in introducing Kelly herself, who is um, a photographer and um, expert on all things natural. Healing, Healing. Natural yes, thing. natural, yes. So, Kelly, without further ado, good afternoon. So, this is a book that I just recently wrote about an experience that I had down river with some images that I used what that I photographed of the riverbank and how I switched the image of the riverbank to a vertical image and then all these pictures started happening and I I work with people a lot in looking at life um, the perspective of life and how you look at it being um, how your life pretty much is gonna what it's gonna be like and it's like your perspective on things like you know, you can have a, something 
terrible happened to you and you can look at it as a bad thing or you can look at it as something that's redirecting you into some place that you need to be. And I talk to a lot of people about this and I do a lot of the, when I do the women's groups in um, the teepees and things and we talk about perspective and trying to help people have a better, more positive perspective on everything, you know, that happens to you. And so the River Reflections book is about that philosophy that I have Isn't on, that cool? on perspective and how you look at things and and how you can just, you know, take a picture of a riverbank that just seems like a plain riverbank and you can turn it vertically and all kinds of all kinds of things, things are happening yeah, here. This happen. is sort of like um Oh, what's that book where you, I can't remember, the Magic Eye or something, where you would look at it for long enough and then your something would shift in your vision and you would see a completely different image. Right. Everybody that looks at them sees something different. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, I see this and I see, you know, I see a, I see a bird and I see, you know, a, a, a raccoon and, <laughs> and there's just an all this kinds of... This is really, really interesting yeah. so, and uh, completely unexpected when you pick up this book, River Reflections. And it, and, and it happened when I was, I took a walk to the river and I, I was standing at the river and I looked over and there was this shape of a heart, a, a light that was forming on the, the bank of the river and it was a shape of a perfect heart and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool and I took a picture with my cell phone and then turned it vertically and I, and then I looked at it and I was like, wow. And, and at the same time, this, this song came on my phone and I don't even use my phone for songs and the song came on that said, um, you know, it was about your heart and it was about you have it what in here. It, it talks about um, um, let your the, heart be known. Yes. This song. It was all about let your heart be known. I don't even know how it started playing on my phone, but it was this, you know, d this incredible experience. As I looked at the heart and I turned the picture and and mm -hmm. saw this image, and then this song came on, and it was really kind of a spiritual experience for me. So I decided to go back the next day and experiment a little bit and and I spent a couple hours there completely with my professional camera completely mesmerized with the changing of the scene every image was different and it was the light coming through the trees and they were all beautiful and magical and I was like wow so I created a um, exhibit of metallic prints mm -hmm. and I'm gonna have the quotes on perspective with the prints and do a uh, art display and have it on display in some different places. This was truly book. one of those, um, truly when the universe was telling you something that day right. that it wanted you to share. That's, yeah. This is an incredible book. The book is called River Reflections. It's photographed by Kelly Daniels, and she's also written it, what goes along with it. So um, where can our listeners find a copy of this book, Kelly? Is it on your website? Yeah, they can go to the kellygallery.com and um, contact us, and we can we have them here at the gallery right now. We're going to have them on Amazon pretty soon, but we haven't haven't gotten there yet. It's pretty new that I just put this together. Wow, it's kind of a little art project, you know, that I just um, just kind of happened. <laughs> well, I can understand why it happened in this place. For our listeners who are just tuning in, we, Chris and I, hi Chris! Hi Anne! <laughs> Here we go again! 
Oh, yes. It was another lovely uh, experience and opportunity to interview and speak with someone who is opening their home to us, their garden to us, and we've commenced with our traditional bottle of wine, and this one is courtesy of Concannon Conservatory. It's a 2010 Crimson uh, and Clover Livermore Valley Red Table Wine, and it is excellent. And I've got to say, um, the glasses that we are being served this delicious wine in today are, did I hear you say your great-grandmother's? My great-grandmother. Oh, so this is very special. And we can, you can purchase the wine from uh, the Celtic Ranch in Weston, which is a uh, fabulous um, specialist um, Celtic store owned by Terry and ably helped by uh, Jenny. So is, do they have a website, Chris? So if our listeners wanted to order their own bottle of wine? I'm sure they do. I guess I'm going to have to look it up. So keep talking. Okay, us. well, we'll add that in somewhere in the program, or we'll definitely have it on the uh, on our website, no, along with the photographs like we usually do. Okay, here we go. It's actually Terry Cast is the name of the owner. It's not your typical Irish store called the Celtic Ranch, theCelticRanch.com. So if you're curious to uh, really experience what we are today, you could stop right now, go out and order yourself a bottle of wine, wait for it to show up, and drink it with us. It's very aromatic. Mm -hmm. I smelled this when you put down my glass. Um, before, you know, it's a 18 inches away from me before I tasted it. I could smell and, uh, it. It's, it's a, wonderful. It's made by an Irish family in California, of all things. Hmm. So, oh, anyway. We're, we're going to enjoy it. Okay, onward and, and uh, outward. How should we begin? At the beginning. Let's begin at the beginning. Kelly, <laughs> how did this all begin? Tell us about what we are, what's surrounding us here today and about you and your beginnings. I always had a vision of having a place where I would sell my artwork. And I always was in, I always had, uh, I was a painter and growing up, you know, always, always did um, different kinds of art forms and went to school for that. And, and in seventh grade, I drew a little picture of uh, my home someday, that, and I had the layout and everything of where I would sell my, my artwork in a garden. And so I actually didn't even remember that until later when I started doing things, I found this. And so it's kind of something that's always been in my mind. It's like one of those things that I knew I was meant to do. Mm. And, um, and so I was in search of property to create my gardens for my photography business, the Kelly Gallery. And um, I did work up in Chicago and Kansas City and was on location going to people's homes in the parks and, and, um, and I do canvas portrait art of families. And um, I wanted a place where I could raise my own children and that I could have my children around me instead of driving everywhere to, to photograph that I could actually have control over my own scenes and my own gardens for the backgrounds of my portraits. So um, I designed the house and I had an architect draw it up and um, built the house, contracted everything myself and then started the gardens. And so I'm an amateur gardener that is an artist. So basically I would look at my scenes in terms of my photographs. So, you know, I've been interviewed by Midwest Living Magazine where we talked about why are the gardens so 
inviting and so pretty and that's because everywhere I look is a scene Mm -hmm. so it wasn't just that I planted a few flowers it's that I have a scene with a path and I have benches sitting in certain places and gazebos set in certain places so that I can create this background scene for my photography so that was the idea and I I had the pond built and I had a stone bridge built Mm -hmm. and I had a creek built that recycles the water so it's always running so I can actually turn the the creek on and have it running and I created these scenes that I wanted in the back of my photograph so I could have my children running around and see them in between settings and and that kind of thing. So when I came to this land I, I had looked for quite a while and couldn't find anything and I was looking for you know woods and in Johnson County sometimes that's not easy to do and I had uh, an amazing coincidence on how I found it was, you know, just a totally random uh, realtor that I looked up for other land and happened to have this property on, on the just come on the market and came out and saw it and and said, oh yeah, this is it. <laughs> now it appears that you have more or less your own little miniature forest here, at the end of a, a very quiet street. And across the way is, am I seeing fields that yeah, look like they're is, planted with corn or something? Actually, Johnson County Parks and Rec owns the property in front of me. Okay. So that they can put a a, a, um, a walking trail between Heritage Parks and Overland Park trails. And um, so eventually, on the other side of the field, the woods, there'll be a trail. And um, it's along um, Coffee Creek and Wolf Creek that come together to form the beginning of Blue River. And the old timers that I actually bought this land from, who bought it from the Indians that had the reservation, the Black Bob Reservation here, um, they told me that it used to be called Triple Creek Valley because you have Wolf Creek, Coffee Creek, and Blue River in the same valley. And and in the history books, that's where the Black Bob Indian chief lived. Mm. These were the main campgrounds. The actual reservation went from Missouri to Lawrence, but this is the spot that the the chief lived, and um, so it's actually literally Blue Valley. This is the beginning of Blue Valley right here. This is actually, you know, it's it's interesting because most people don't really know what you know the area is named after. Right, because you know. there's Blue Valley School District right. and Blue Valley Parkway, right. and yeah, this all is kinds. Blue Valley, so it's fun to hmm. when people come here to be able to tell them this is actually Blue Valley, and it's you know it's the only thoroughfare where the wildlife go through because there's building going on over there, and there's building going on north and south, and and this is a major federally protected floodplain. So nothing can happen in this valley. And we've actually, you know, seen the water come all the way up, you know, to, to the edge of our property like a lake. And so, um, so it's a major, which is a great thing, mm-hmm. major floodplain. So it'll always be natural and it always will be surrounded just like this. I've got to say, uh, you know, we've just begun to experience your garden, but that's probably the first thing that struck me is the word natural that you just used because uh, your garden as it's presented, has a lot of things happening in it, but it it does all feel very natural. It it doesn't feel contrived in the least. It's as if it just could have happened on its own almost, Absolutely. although I know that didn't, it didn't, but um, because there's plant material here that would never have ended up here without your tender loving care and the, the beautiful 
brick undulating pathway that leads us around the house. Um, you've really, your artistic eye is evident, and it makes sense to me that you have set this up as a stage after stage after stage, basically, for the uh, living people then that come in to visit right. to act as little... And Chris and I were talking earlier about, you know, how gardens reflect different people's personalities, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, some people are master gardeners and they have everything labeled and they have, you know, everything in perfect order. Well, for me, I'm kind of a um, more of a natural, you know, laid free back. Free spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so my garden is a free spirit garden. And I, I studied with a medicine, I've apprenticed with a medicine woman. And I learned in her gardens that um, she would she would tell me all about like these weeds and how they were medicine. And so now, if I see something in my garden that I actually know is a medicine, a really a very amazing medicine, like there's a pokeweed over there that I let grow up that is um, for uh, uh, re removing tumors in people's bodies and breast cancer and things. And it's like. And the roots are really important, so I let it, it gets big, and it's not in the right spot. You know, it's not, it's it's kind of in the front of the garden where I need low things, but I can't cut it because it's a really important plant. Right. And so so I, I'm, like, kind of close to my weeds as, as well, and... And it could, it, <laughs> it's the it first could, person I've ever heard yes, when they're close to their weeds. I right, love it. Right. If, if you could meet a koi who, is, who I studied with, um, she, it's like, it's kind of like every plant has a purpose. We mm. just aren't told that. And, you know, maybe in a lot of ways, you know, we're, we're given plants that don't last very long so we can buy more. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's amazing, you know, the weeds actually will grow I, easily. <laughs> I, I think that um, there's a mistake about the word weeds because the definition is that a weed is a plant in the wrong place. So if you've put it here for a purpose, it's no longer a weed, it's a plant. Mm -hmm. And um, often we, we, we don't want certain plants because they're either invasive or they uh, take over um, areas that we really have no um, control over. Things like Japanese knotweed, for example, you really wouldn't want in your garden because it just goes ballistic, but it's not a native plant. So I, I think that um, keeping them is really a historically a really good idea. And, and there is a big trend to going back to native plants anyway. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's um, as long as it's uh, it's pleasing on the eye, I think um, there's nothing wrong with it, is there? Well, you know, even dandelions are pleasing on the eye. You yeah, know, I was wondering really... why, why, what's the bad rap on the dandelion? There isn't. <laughs> it makes a very nice wine. It does. It's a really, really good um uh, salad too, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, true. Like, it's um, really good for you. The roots are really good, like the dandelion tea, and yeah. and and it's why can't we just have dandelions in our yard? I, they I don't know. certainly are beautiful. That. Like I've actually started going. I used to have you know a lot of toxic chemicals in my mm -hmm. yard, and I had you know services that did all that, and I had a really a lot thicker yard and really lush, and then I decided that I was going to really try to go more natural. So now you'll see more clover and a little bit of dandelions. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was like, you know, oh, we have to get rid of these dandelions. And I'm, I'm like, why? 
Yes, why, why? why don't people like dandelion? And what's this whole yard thing anyway? This, <laughs> this grass, you know, that we have to mow. Is it, I think that mowing companies must have, um, you know, created <laughs> the grass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mowing didn't really exist until about the 1820s. And uh, it was kind of a Victorian thing where the uh, head gardener used to scythe the grass down. Mm. And then um, what, what used to happen is there'd be sheep's meadows. Mm. And, and um, I once had a contract where I was asked to um, cut grass um, with a spark-arrested mower. It was with a, a what? A spark-arrested mower. What does that mean? It means that it was a, um, a mowing machine that couldn't create a spark. And the reason was it was an oil refinery and they stored petroleum. Oh, well, that makes so sense. I, um, this is kind of fun, really. I um, <laughs> asked them if I could put some gates at the entrance to the oil refinery and they said, certainly. So then uh, I went down to the local farmer and he paid me to take his merino sheep into the oil refinery and there were the spark-arrested mowers. They kept the grass at half an inch high. I got paid for cutting the grass and the oil company went quite, well, they were quite upset, but um, I did get two years' contract out of it. <laughs> so you just let the sheep in to Absolutely. eat. Spark-arrested mower. I, know, I, <laughs> I love I, it. I love goats. I would, I would have goats, but... I have to, I would have to keep them out of my flower beds. That's the only problem. Yes, they would be a little I, I, problem. I have to learn how to control the goats. They Indeed. are cute when they're little. They are really They're adorable. I, I used to have a goat named Jamie that I They don't. have to be on a collar <laughs> or a wing. Well, they do. Well, you know, um, I'm going to move on to something else that I'm very curious about with you, uh, Kelly. A lot of what you're interested in seems to be um, health and... Um, well-being of an individual and I think that has a lot to do with your property here can you talk to us a little bit about how the healing what the healing properties are of the woods that you live in and, and some of the research that you've discovered about that um, there, there's something that's called uh, actually the Japanese researchers came discovered this and did some research with people um, that were healing from various maladies and they found this therapy that they created which was called forest bathing and they call it uh, I think it's Shinin Yoku and um, and it's a it's a, actually about they found that there's actually a chemical that is coming from the trees that reduces stress and um, and and it makes people feel better and it helps people heal and it's more of a preventive medicine so they say you know you go um, uh, really as often as you can spend an hour and, and it's even better like in the deep forest they found that there's m even more chemicals coming mm. from those trees but that you um, if you spend an hour a day out in in nature especially with trees that you're going to have your stress reduced naturally and and chemically actually so you know that's why things have come up with horticulture therapy you know where they found that that patients heal faster when they are planting plants and working with plants and and for me mm -hmm. and for my business you know photographing families and children out here they are so relaxed they mm -hmm. are I love what I really love to do is is take uh, a family or, or children that are really normally uncomfortable or have horrible experiences with getting their portraits taken and how and and 
create this experience out here while we photograph them, which the, the reason they look so beautiful is because they're happy and they're relaxed mm. and they feel good and it's like an adventure for them. So I get the real them out in the, in the photographs. And I, and I love for people to walk away from here and go, wow, that was actually kind of fun. You know, yeah. actually, that is the best time I've ever had getting my photograph taken. And then the photographs come back and they're like, they've never seen anything like it before. I'll even have children that two-year-olds will, you know, coddle and hold their little baby sister like they have never, ever done before. And, and I know that a lot of it is the effect of the natural environment that's around them. And this, this space that it, you know, you just feel really good in. And I'm aware of this space and I'm aware of this energy and this feeling. And so I tap into it when I'm working with people and, and I love them and I, you know, help them feel comfortable in nature. So it became kind of a passion of mine, just just actually connecting people to the nature and showing the children, you know, the little leaves and the and the flowers and and having them really look at them and not be afraid of the little roly-poly that rolled under them and taking them to the creek and putting their feet in the water oh, i have 10 year old little boys that have never climbed a tree and i've watched this shift happen in children where they're not like us they didn't play outside they're not playing outside at all and we grew up you know, just going outside and playing and climbing the trees. And, and that was natural for us. And we thought it was just, you know, just normal. But we don't realize that the children that are not growing up like that, that it's affecting them because the nature is something that we're a part of, you know, and it's something that actually helps us be healthy. And so they're finding this out. Like um, Richard Louvre has a book that's called Last Child in the Woods. And it's about nature deficit disorder. And I have two boys that I actually have taken to a camp in Oregon that are there, that's based on an Apache elders teachings. And it's really about helping people become more comfortable in nature and not so afraid of it. Because when you start, especially kids, start growing up where they don't have any connection to it or, or aren't in it at all, they're kind of afraid of it. So they these people actually, you know, help people just relax into it and they teach the kids how to to have fun in a very simple way without their electronics without their cell phones and this experience that i had with my boys in oregon was life-changing for me it was life-changing for my whole family by the end of that week at the beginning of the week i was really nervous about it because i wasn't a big camper either and my on the way out there my kids actually spilled garlic butter sauce on their sleeping bags and I looked at them like <laughs> oh my god we're all gonna die you You're know inviting They're, the bears to eat right. don't you know that bears love garlic butter sauce what are you doing? You know, I was like I and they just looked at me with these stunned fear in their oh, eyes so and I was funny. like I realized my fear you know that I didn't really know what I was getting into with the being out in nature that long. And, you know, even being in a tent, I had my air mattress and my pillows and everything, but, but I, I had some pretty profound experiences out there. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I wanted to bring that back here. And it was so impactful for my boys and watching them, 
you know, on the way out there, they, they could bicker in the car and everything. On the way back, they loved each other. They hugged each other. They, they, they didn't even want, we were in an RV on the trip and they didn't even want to be in the RV. They wanted to sleep outside on the ground together under the stars. And it was like, oh. I saw a huge shift in these boys. And even the, the impact of this place is even they're they're now 16 and 20 and they've gone there since they were five and um and 11 no seven seven and 11 and um my oldest 20 year old actually did an essay to uh for a college to win a hundred thousand dollar scholarship and the essay was on this his experiences wow. and the leadership skills and the personal skills that he developed and learned about himself and awareness they got him a hundred thousand dollar scholarship so it affected us in so many ways mm -hmm. that it's hard for me not to share it with people so mm -hmm. that that's really my passion mm -hmm. and that's why um i've you know i've created a lot of things out here besides my photography you know we've done uh, we have these archery classes for kids to teach them about focus and awareness and walk them through the woods and they shoot at certain targets and they they write about their fear and how to let go of that fear and then they write about what they want in their life and we integrate life into being immersed in the nature and the archery and they create their bows and they, they decorate their bows in my teepee. And so it's like a whole nother experience where, you know, just, just, just outside of town, but it's like they are in another world and it's so much fun. That's what I love to do. I think we should um, ask a little bit more about the teepee because of the, uh, the nature of it and the way people sit and, and how they experience a totally different environment. Yeah. You have two teepees here, correct? Yeah, I have two teepees. One's bigger. The The smaller one is kind of my own little personal teepee. And um, it's, you know, where I go and sit and, um, you know, uh, meditate or pray. And, and it's under a big oak we call Brother Oak. It's the oldest oak tree on the property. And that's just kind of my little space. And then the, the big one is for for sharing with people. And I consider it a really sacred space. It's not like a teepee party pad. <laughs> what would that be? I don't think we want to know. Oh, okay. It is a definite, um, it's, it's a place where I gather children or I gather women and we might bring food and it's a space I, you know, with the women, I do like what, what's called like dream, dream time, like where I actually give each woman a, place where she can talk about what what does she really want in her life like what are the what are the things that she really want wants to create in her life like even if it sounds silly and even if you think you don't ever you're net that's never going to happen to you talk about these things and and actually listen to each other you know there's a tradition that's called a talking stick where you pass the talking stick around and and everyone gets to be heard and in in our culture these days and our loss of community we don't have that opportunity very often, not only to, to speak our truth, but to be heard by anyone or, or cared about. You know, we're in a very driven, work-oriented, you know, success uh, society that has a lot of expectations. So they don't have a lot of space to, to be able to really um, to be themselves and to heal and to talk and to laugh. And so I, because I had these experiences at these camps and I wanted to bring it back here, I 
started these groups and I just do it because I love people and I want them to feel happy and I want them to experience some of the things and the growth that I've experienced because of the circle, because of being around a fire, because of being heard and being able to hear your own heart. That just doesn't happen very often. We don't have time. And I don't think it would happen if it weren't for the fact that your teepee is placed in the middle of a forest. Right. In a forest that I'm the only person that's ever owned owned since the Indians. Mm -hmm. So it's like this place has always been this peaceful mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like uh, food on the land. There's like wild oats and, and things. There's like all these remnants of, you know, the Native Americans that were here. And, you know, they were a very peaceful people. The Black Bob tribe was very peaceful and they were, you know, they, they were in tune with nature the way we should be and they they were they lived simply and um and they you know that the nature helped feed them so they really honored it you know they really understood it they they really lived in harmony with it so that you know what they needed was there you know we're, we're in such a society where you know we think we have to have so much more than we really even need at all to the point that you know, we actually become depressed or, you know, uh, or sick, you know, and there's so many things that can be done with, with the way it used to be and the simplicity that it used to be. So I just like to bring little pieces of that back to um, just, you know, regular friends. You know, some people, you know, my friends tease me because I, on one hand, I can, I'm a soccer mom. You know, I, I was a soccer mom. <laughs> On the other hand, did I, you drive a van? Yeah, I had yes, to ask. Absolutely. Toyota Sienna. <laughs> or suburban? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. And and but yet I took my kids to basically a survival camp in Oregon. So they tease me. They say, "Okay, Kelly, you know, if you're if we ever need to survive in the woods, we'll call you." <laughs> but the surviving in the woods and the learning out in the woods, it's it's really fun to teach people about why that's important. And I'm kind of like a bridge between, you know, these granola kind of people and these, you know, the high-end clients that I have. And I'm kind of bringing them together to understand one another. So I'm kind of like a bridge maker. You know, I'm a mediator. I mediate. I, I kind of help people see what it's like on the other side and what the reflection can teach them, you know, and, and how to like, how to feel happy again and how to feel peaceful and, um, and the nature is an easy way to do it. You know, it's like you can go, you can find one of the things that we did in the camp is called a sit spot. So every day you go to the same place and you sit for 15 minutes. And you can do this on a deck with, a, you know, your plants or under a tree somewhere. It doesn't matter where you are. But when you do that and you sit there quietly, you, the, the nature, actually, the birds, everything gets used to you and they come closer to you and they start doing things and you start really seeing things in a different way and you start really noticing things. So when you give yourself space to like be aware, mm -hmm. everything else in your life, you take that to anything, you take that to your workspace, you take that to um, your relationship. When you become really aware and sensitive of things, then you actually can handle things a lot better. Everything is is easier, and you like you know, intuitively realize something or know what to say to someone 
because you're opening up your awareness and being in nature is an easy way to do that. It's an easy way to connect, connect and to, you know, to find some peace inside, which people don't have. They don't slow down right. enough to do that. And it's to me, the most important thing I do. And time to reflect and uh, relax. Yes. Right. And to get ideas, oh, to yes. be creative, you know, there's, you know, just a lot of, a lot of things that happen just with that one simple act. So if I can get people out into the teepee or into the woods or, you know, I, I have birthday parties for little girls and they're like little Indian princess parties, you know, and and I had this group of girls and and I taught them how to do what they, they call fox walk, which is how the Indians walk. You know, uh, Americans tend to walk with the heel toe, like, like romping through the woods and all the animals, you know, disperse. The Indians walk differently because they were quiet, you know, and and um, they looked at everything rather than just their feet. And so I taught these girls how to do this, and I took them through the woods, and we were going to go to a fire pit and, and have, you know, s'mores or something. And they um, they were behind me, and I said, okay, now I want you to be quiet and, and listen, and we're going to walk quietly through the woods. And they did, and it was like, it was like one of those spaces where they never, like, were quiet like that you know, and like really paying attention to things. Mm -hmm. And then the rain started and the little drip drips from the rain. And I heard one of the girls in the back, she said, uh, um, Miss Kelly, Miss Kelly. And I said, yeah. And she goes, I think it's raining. And I said, I know, isn't that awesome? <laughs> and it was like the first time she's like, wow, like you really rock because you know, most of the time they're shuffling the kids inside, you know, oh, there's a drop of rain. My goodness, mm -hmm. you don't want to get go wet. In. Yeah. And it was like, it's okay to experience this nature. And mm -hmm. even when I have weddings out here and people are concerned about the rain, it's like, it's all that perspective on things. You either, you either feel sad for the rain or you dance in the rain. Mm -hmm. Right. And That's it's right. fun to, to embrace you know, it. Yes, absolutely. To, to teach people and give them the opportunity to, to test that and to, um, you know, to, to experience that and to hear someone speak about it in a, not a fearful way. And so important, especially for children. Especially yes. for children. I totally agree with that. Kelly, there's a, there was another aspect you told me about your um, musical talents and the fact that you were forming a group, which I sounded fascinating. What, what exactly are you up to? Well, I have a couple of friends. I have a, a you know, I, I wrote songs when I was younger, and um, it's just one of those things that when you start working and, you know, become a businesswoman in your business, you stop doing the things that you really love. And I love to play my guitar and all those things. And um, I, um, I met a couple of gals, and it was interesting because... I play the Native American flute, I play the guitar, and I, I really enjoy um, music that has um, positive meaning and, um, you know, uplifting, you know, things that make people feel good. And, and, um, and I know some Native American um, songs with the words, Native American words. And, and then I, I have a friend who does Sanskrit, East Indian music. Um, but it's kind of got the same kind of a chant, a different kind of a chant, spiritual flair. And then a, another guy, gal that is like red-haired Celtic, she plays the djembe African drum and the bass and a stand-up bass. You oh, know? cool. And, um, and, uh, and, then my, and then the gal that does the, uh, 
the East Indian, the Sanskrit music has a keyboard, and then there's another thing that she plays, a harmonia or something. I can't even remember what it's called. But we decided that we're going to um, represent the cultures from around the world. It's called, the band is called Where Two Rivers Meet, and it's about bringing Eastern and Western culture together in a really positive, loving, uplifting way about our the earth and, and about one another and about uh, our hearts and about being good to people and and um, and it's all women it's just an all women band and we, we're gonna have a concert down in my tent I have a big 64 by 38 permanent tent with a full floor so we can have a little concert down there and and um, and just um, we want to we want it to be where we're giving back to something so a cause that helps women, young women, to empower them and probably reconnect them to nature. Um, you know, some, maybe some of the archery things that we do with, with some of the young women that kind of just help them in a different way um, look at life a little differently. And we like to mentor them. So, uh, so we, we have, like, purpose behind it. And it's also fun. You know, it's a, Absolutely. Just a fun thing to do. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, you are an incredibly gifted, creative, inspirational individual. Uh, it's really been a privilege to sit here and absorb who you are and absorb uh, your home and the healing powers of this forest that you live in and learn a little bit of history here. I hope that we'll get invited back yeah. <laughs> with another, another bottle of wine. Well, of course, yes. Maybe for the concert. Yeah. Are you planning on recording it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're thinking about doing a video, like a music video, too. That sounds like yeah. a plan. So our listeners would be able to also tap into that if they'd mm -hmm. cared to. Yeah. And, of course, tell us a little bit about Kelly Gallery before we close here and how people can get in contact with you if they're interested in having their photographs taken. Yeah. Well, the Kelly Gallery does a lot of things. And you can well, you go to thekellygallery.com. It's the, T-H-E-K-E-L-L-Y, gallery.com. And um, we have like a, a page that is about the nature retreat center and where we do infinite possibilities uh, workshops and we have feng shui um, teachers and yoga in the garden and all these things that we do are all in the garden and you can learn about the different kind of events that happen here. Then we have weddings here. So um, people will have, um, uh, you know, private party weddings and um, and we have a full tent and and a lot of really cool things for that and um, and then we and then I do portraits and I, I photograph families and children and do really artistic things for their wall for their home and I always have consultations on everything and meet people first and and talk about what they really want and and what they would love to to have in their home what their home is like and what clothes to wear, what colors to have, and, and we really create it as a piece of art for their home, for a specific spot. And um, that's what I've done for over 20 years. And um, and that that's, you know, my main business is to the photography. But then I also do the photography in the, the weddings that I have here. And, um, and so, you know, it's really all about connecting people with nature and helping them feel happy. And we really, our main goal with, even the weddings is that they're relaxed and they're happy 
and um, no matter the weather, weather they're, they're going to have an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I really want them to like walk into this place and walk onto this place and go, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like nature can be really cool. <laughs> you know, what's interesting about your place is when I think when a person walks onto this, even if they've never been here before, they feel like they've just come home. There's something about it that it just immediately connects with whoever you are, whatever your background is, it really doesn't matter. It's universal. It's universal. That's exactly right. Very much so. And thank you ever so much, Kelly. It's been a real pleasure to uh, be here this evening. You're welcome. Thank you. It's fine.
Riverside will provide first-class fun in their state-of-the-art facility. Edge's staff will provide a fun, positive, and safe environment that will develop and improve each individual's athletic experience. For more information, visit edgetc.com. The Northland's choice for gymnastics, urban gymnastics, tumbling, and cheer. Edge Gymnastics in Riverside. edgetc.com. It's time to move from high school to college. It's a huge transition. There's a great new website dedicated to helping young women and parents navigate sorority recruitment, four years of college, to transitioning to the real world. It's called sororitycorner.com. It offers podcasts, videos, college and success tips, scholarship information, and even a forum for students in a safe and positive environment. Sororities give young women an edge. It's the sorority authority, sororitycorner.com, sororitycorner.com.
sky, into the sky, till you're out of sight. And I won't run, I won't fight. Oh, oh, I've got my feet on the
follow me into the field, into the field where I clipped your wings, and I will wait for your sting. Oh, oh, I've got my feet on the ground.